Hey, everybody. It's uh, Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. This is a college football podcast with my co-host, Ian Gibson. Good Sunday evening to you, sir. How are you? Been doing good. I'm uh, doing good. And, uh, quick turnaround here for us. Yeah, you know, uh, going forward, this is going to be the typical day that we do this uh, for anyone that's listening right now. So, uh, you know, we're more than likely going to release it on Monday mornings, but like uh, this one's going to come out Monday afternoon because I'm going to have to um, finish this tonight and then uh, put it together tomorrow when I come back from work. So, uh, you know, typically it'll be Mondays. So look forward to this every week coming out on Mondays, which is kind of cool because it'll be there all week. So you can be up to date on what's going on. The thing that'll suck is, you know, we had done some of these where usually it was like Wednesday, Thursday, where we were able to find out some stuff about injuries, which occurred during kind of going in blind. Yeah. Uh, So we, we have to, you know, every one of our predictions will be a caveat, you know, (laughs) If not for this, then, you know, whatever. It'll be so, as raw as you can get for it. Yeah. So, like, you know, this is just the way it's going to be. Um, but it works out better for me just because I have to get up so early. I have to wake up at 430 in the morning. So, like, God you know, bless you. yeah, I know it's it's rough. So it's like, you know, I have to go to bed usually at like nine o'clock. So, you know, uh, it's just much more difficult to try to organize stuff, you know, especially with me and Ian being on different coasts, you know, Ian lives in St. Pete or Clearwater and I live in, you know, uh, Long Beach in California. So it's, you know, there's a time zone difference, you know, Ian's got all kinds of stuff going on with school and work, you know, I've got, uh, you know, work that really is, uh, you know, a lot. So, you know, I work like anywhere from like 10, 12 hour days, you know, five days a week. So that's, that's a lot of time that I have to spend at work. So it's, it's kind of difficult to do this, but regardless, we're going to do it. We're going to make this happen. You know, we're going to work hard and give you uh, listeners a good show. And uh, you know, it was a good weekend of games. Um, You know, the biggest story obviously is that Florida Alabama game. Um, We'll talk about that a little later. But what we do first is let's talk about our socials and our website. Uh, The website is haterradio.com. You can reach us there for articles that we've written, for uh, any of the podcasts that we have released. Um, So far, this is the third episode we've done so far this season. So uh, actually, this is the fourth. Sorry. The third third one in this style. Yeah, this is the fourth technically that we've done. So we've done three previously. One was on Facebook Live, Twitter Live. So it's not really anywhere you can find it. I'm going to try to figure out something to like maybe try to download that video and maybe to kind of have like the audio somehow so that we can have it available. But it doesn't really matter because that information's out of date anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But, uh, regardless, so what we do, socials, uh, you can reach us at hater underscore radio. Um, for both Instagram and Twitter. And Ian, what are your socials that we can uh, throw it out to everybody? Yes, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Twitter, uh, all will be under the uh, G Gator G banner. Yeah, so that's G Gator G. Look for that uh, to be able to uh, uh, tweet at Ian or uh, hater underscore radio for us as well. Uh, Okay, so what we do is we'll do a uh, week 
recap of the games that happened before, and then we'll go over the Heisman standings, and then we talk about the uh, possible playoff teams, and then we do a look ahead to the next week's games. So we do that every week. That's pretty much what the show is. And intermix with all that is we talk about any national headlines, anything like that needs to be talked about between these teams, between players or whatever, anything interesting, we will bring it up and we'll talk about it. So with that being said, let's talk about the week three recap. Uh, One of the first games of last week was that Nebraska Oklahoma game. Uh, We both picked it right. I think we both thought it was going to be more of a blowout, but uh, you know, it ended up being really close and which doesn't bode well for Oklahoma going up against better teams, especially when they play against Iowa state. And um, I'm trying to think who else really is good in the big, our big 12 this year. I'm not really, I don't know. Technically Texas. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, technically, like, they got smoked by Arkansas, but I like TCU. Arkansas. Yeah, that's that was the other thing, because I, I know TCU is playing someone, and I put that in our list of games this week. Um, I haven't seen anything even talked about TCU all year, so I don't know what to expect from TCU at all. I haven't seen any of their uh, game tape, so I don't know anything about them. But uh, regardless, I just wanted to talk about Oklahoma a little bit. Just, you know, Spencer Rattler didn't look great again. You know, I think he had at least one pick, and then, like, um, you know, yardage wise, he didn't have a great game. Um, you know, there was he, he that did w- get kind of dueled by uh, Martinez. I will say Martinez did play probably his best game of the year in this one. Yeah, I mean that's surprising because like he's been pretty bad, especially that game against uh, Illinois where they got smoked. And then, uh, no, uh, I like that pick that guy had. That's probably the best play of the year. And like, oh, yeah, was, yeah that, that was a fantastic interest. That was up there. That, one that of the was best wild. Picks of, or catches I've ever oh, seen. Oh, yeah. In my life. yeah. Uh, and it was funny. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Trey Young happened to be on the sidelines and he was literally oh, no, right. He was right there and he had he took video on his phone of that pick. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, that's like perfect timing. So, uh it's out there if you want to find it, like uh, anyone that's listening, just, you know, type in Trey Young, uh, like pick on his phone and it'll come yeah, up. Trey Young, DJ it. Graham interception, that, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, it'll come right up. So that's that was cool as shit. Uh, but, uh, you know, the game was, uh, you know, it was tight and it seemed like, you know, Nebraska was not giving up. They, you know, down to the wire. But, uh, you know. I, I don't know with this Oklahoma team. I I don't know if they're going to be good enough to get in the CFP. You know, they they played Tulane close. And then, well, we'll talk about in a little bit how bad o- Ole Miss smashed them. So, like, I don't know. Like, transitive property obviously works there. Ole Miss, we're going to talk about this in a second. But, man, I can't wait to talk about that because that is yeah. definitely very tantalizing for the SEC West. Um, but anything, any other thoughts from this game that you, uh, you want to talk about? Uh, no, it was mostly what you're hitting on. I will say it was very um, good to see, like especially with Martinez. It was the best game I have seen him play all year. He was much more consistent in the pocket, going through his progression. Saint Seti, Nebraska had a real shot at you know taking a jab um, at Oklahoma here. Um, it, it's funny comparing these teams because it felt like an old school game. This was the hundredth anniversary of the you know. 
I guess the first quote unquote game of the century between Nebraska and Oklahoma when they were originally in the big 50th anniversary. Was it 50th? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was in the Uh, 70s. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) My bad. Yeah, yeah. My bad. 50th anniversary. I I jumped ahead another 50 years. It was the 50th anniversary of the first quote unquote game of the century uh, when they were originally in the Big Eight conference. Um, And it felt like, I guess, you know, Nebraska had that, you know, kind of more. Nebraska just seemed more motivated for this one. I don't know if Oklahoma was sleeping on this one, but they they definitely got out of uh, Norman, you know, lucky uh, because they were, you know, Nebraska skill-wise is not at the level, and I think that's what won out at the end was Oklahoma's skill, obviously with the interception and many of the key plays when Spencer Rattler was able to come in and clutch, um, was able to win this game. But they cannot play like this. I mean, obviously you cannot play like this for the rest of the season expect every game to be a win. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I can't even imagine if if Scott Frost had pulled that off, like if they had won there, like the narrative would completely change for Nebraska and uh, it would look terrible for Oklahoma. They would almost like completely sink their CFP hopes, but it didn't happen. Nebraska lost and they're now I think they're one and two and uh, Oklahoma is just plugging away. But, you know, I, I still think there's a loss out there somewhere, maybe even two. You know, they do have to play, uh, you know, they more than likely are going to probably play Iowa State in the Big Ten or Big 12 championship. And they're probably going to have to play them twice. I think they play them in the regular season and in that game. So are they going to be able to beat them twice? They could even lose to them twice. So we'll see. But uh, okay, so let's move on. Uh, Cincinnati, Indiana. Uh, We both picked Cincinnati, which was surprising because I was watching the highlights of this game and Indiana was ahead early, like 14, oh, yeah. nothing. And like none of, none of the highlights were good for Cincinnati at first. I was like, man, I was surprised they even won this game, but they had uh, a kickoff for a touchdown and um, second half. Yeah. Second and, half uh, um, God, what's the quarterback for Cincinnati is Rit- Ritter, right? Desmond, Desmond Ritter. Yeah. Ritter. So Ritter had a really good game, you know, it was solid. Um, the 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 Cincinnati defense, you know, caused a lot of turnovers and they were able to, uh, you know, um, make the difference in that game. And they ended up winning by 14, which is, you know, that's quite a difference considering they're down 14, nothing. So that means they outscored them uh, 38 to 10 from that point on, which is that's remarkable. And completely and blanked them in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's a remarkable uh, turnaround there, considering how bad they were getting beaten. Uh, that's a good Big Ten win. Uh, for someone's resume that's going to not have very good contests with these AAC teams, to beat a team like Indiana on the road um, and be definitely the better team in it looks – I'm not going to lie. I already have them – spoiler alert – I have them uh, in my top four, and I have them for good reason because they were very good last year. They took Georgia to the wire, and uh, they probably should have beaten Georgia. And then, um, uh, you know – they look like a team poised to get into the playoff if everything goes right, which at this point, you know, the teams that are in like the top 10 that are just outside the top four don't look that strong. So it's like their case even gets even better because of the fact that, you know, those teams are the ones that will challenge for that fourth spot. I don't really see that many teams looking that great for that four spot. So Cincinnati can easily fill that, especially if they go undefeated. I would be remiss if the, if they go undefeated and they don't make, I would be kind of like shocked if they don't make it, if they go undefeated. 
And especially if they like can beat, um, I guess it's, I think UCF would be the team out of the, well, I can't remember. American what the, Con- it would be UCF. Um, SMU's been having, um, SMU, well, like, I know they won that game, but they, no, like I'm talking about that. And Tulane, division. they're playing Tulane as well. I know they're yeah. playing. Tulane's been, you know, has shown they could be a solid enough team to hang with them. That, that, that could be a trap. I know, obviously we'll probably talk about with the Notre Dame game. That's going to be their biggest game of the year. Oh yeah, for sure. But I don't think highly of Notre Dame this year. I know they're like ranked decently, but that doesn't mean anything. Like they have yeah, looked like it's just they it's look like the, the matter of schedule. Yeah, the matter of schedule that is going to have to be their make or break game. Okay, so the AAC is no uh, divisions. So the whoever the top two teams are go to the conference championship. So as of right now. It potentially could be like Cincinnati and SMU. Um, I'd like to see how SMU does in the next couple of weeks. I don't know if they play each other. Let me see. They do. Yeah, I, I they play I, each I, other. I, yeah, I, I remember looking at the media guide schedule from the USF game and all the other AAC teams, and I remember seeing. I think they play them at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, they do, which that sets up great because that is a key matchup that if they get a late game against a decent team in their conference and it showcases, oh, we're willing, you know, we're able to beat these big teams. You know, the game obviously next week is huge, you know, uh, yes. playing Notre Dame. Um, I just want to make sure I have that on my list. Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Oh, wait, did I mess up? Shit, I think I have the wrong the wrong schedules. I think I did the wrong week. God damn it. I'm going to have to edit this anyways, but let me see. Hold on. This doesn't make any sense. On the, on the ones you sent me? No, I guess I do. Oh, Cincinnati has off next week. Yes. I was looking at them playing Notre Dame. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I thought Notre Dame was playing Wisconsin. No, no, no. Cincinnati, I, all right. The, all right. I should have right. mentioned Cincinnati. I mean, I, I don't know if I said next, next week. I meant next game. Yeah, that's fine. No, it just, it was like confusing me. I was like, what? They're playing next week. I thought they're, yeah. So, okay. We're good. So we have the schedule right. right. Uh, okay. So, um, all right. Anything else from that game that uh, you really want to talk about or, or you think like Michael Penix still looks pretty good. The Indiana offense is still potent. I, I could see them, you know, uh, they they don't I think they have one loss in the Big Ten. So still potential out there to get get back to a, a potential division winning. Yeah, uh, it's year, just so. that w- with uh, Indiana, the, the offense was, you know, it came out really good in the first half, but it couldn't stay consistent. And the thing is, especially with Penix, is his decision-making late in the game. It was like he threw uh, kind of the game-sealing interception was 30-24. to He just bad, bad coverage, uh, bad read into it. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it's it's not a matter of just it, – it's, it's a very interesting offense on how it works. Mm. Um it just has to, you know, it has to be consistently moving. It has to be consistently going uh, with how the cogs move in that offense. And if one of them breaks off, it's, you know, it can sink the whole ship. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I, I like their offense cause he's, uh, you know, he's an interesting player and he, um, 
you know, he can make plays and he's got a decent enough arm so that, you know, the deep ball is definitely an option with them a lot. So it, you know, anytime you can throw deep and connect on those, you know, you're, you're threatening to be able to score at any point in time, which, you know, I love those type of offenses. What, you know, Steve Spurrier, you know, made uh, his bread and butter off of was, you know, being able to score whenever, like God, you know, like if Florida got the ball on like their 30, with like a minute left in uh, the half, I would almost be assured of almost every time that they would probably score a touchdown because they had enough time to do it. And they usually would. And it was, uh, you know, you know, it makes, it makes football more enjoyable. And I will say that there's not a lot of teams in the big 10 that are as enjoyable as Indiana is like, they're a different team in that conference, which I'm glad that they're doing it because the rest of that conference is boring as shit outside of them. So uh, outside of them and like Ohio state. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, The next one is Vatek, West Virginia. I finally have seen some of what West Virginia is doing and I liked what I saw, Um, you know, their offense, you know, was doing quite well, kind of let go of the gas and Vatek got back in that game. It was like, I think they were up by like, I don't know, 13 or 16 at one point. And, you know, Vatek just kept coming back and then got it within six. So, you know, it was a closer game than it probably should have been. But uh, West Virginia is a team to look out for. We have them in uh, one of our games coming up. So we'll talk about them a little more as far as like, uh, who they're playing. I think they're playing. Oh, I don't have them. I thought it's West Virginia. Oh yeah. They're playing Oklahoma. We'll talk yeah. about that later, but yeah. Um, uh, no, it's, I like, I like what they're doing. You know, I don't really know their coach because uh, I kind of like lost track of who their coach was after Dana Holgerson left. So I don't really know um, who's there, but you know, it's quality ball that they're playing right now. So let's see what they do against Oklahoma. But, you know, a good win against Vatek. You know, Virginia Tech beat UNC that first week. So, you know, solid win. Um, what's your thoughts on this game? Yeah, Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech. Oh, your your mic is, like, very low. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it, is it better now? Hold on, do it again. Hello? Yeah, it's like very low. It was like normal when you started, and then all of a sudden yeah. it's like now it's like very low. I don't know what what's oh, going on is. with my audio. Oh, now it's stopped. It was fine, and then it stopped. Try it again. Speak real quick. How about now? Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good now. So this is the problem is that when I do that for whatever reason, you know, right. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why my screen is frozen, but. Well, it's not that big of a deal if we don't like, you know, cause we're not, yeah. I'm not using, I'm not using the video. We're just using the audio. Yeah. It, it's some, sometimes it cuts out and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know why. Yeah, it's no worries. All right. The uh but anyways, um yes, Vatek, uh, West Virginia, yeah. 
Vontech West Virginia. Yes, this yeah. game uh, was very good. This seemed like, um, I don't know what the score was. I remember I had Vontech winning this one. Um, I thought uh, with the quarterback play of uh, Vontech, they would be able to will this one out. But West Virginia, right out the gate, um, they had that huge rushing touchdown. That kind of took the sail out of the wins for Vontech, and they really couldn't recover. I wouldn't say couldn't recover, but that was like a serious mistake. They just couldn't, like, catch up to. Yeah. Um, with that, uh, it was uh, Letty Brown uh, had a fantastic game. He, I think he was close to 200 yards, and they really just ground and pounded uh, the whole game. The defense did a good job of uh, holding up the Vatek uh, offense, uh, especially in the clutch, because uh, towards the end of that game, it got, you know, the offense of West Virginia kind of sputtered out. So they had to rely on the defense uh, to put a stop to it. And luckily, they were able to do enough, which is ironic of a Big 12 team, uh, to put a stop to it. Uh, but they did, did it. They got a, the win, a very good win over a ranked opponent. Um, again, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, with how the uh, offensive play, and especially if this defense can hang on to like a very wanted offense now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, that Big 12, like as much as, uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma is the team to beat, so there's still potential teams to get in that championship game. So West Virginia could be one of those teams. Um, you know, it's definitely possible. You know, we'll talk about that game in a second uh, coming up in the, the week ahead. But let's talk about the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Um, it was much closer than I think both of us thought. We knew like Coastal would probably win, but it was 28-25 at the end. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Did you get to watch this? I didn't. I should have watched the highlights. I didn't watch the highlights on this one, though. Oh, oh you know, I was following. It. I was following my teal chickens. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I was keeping an eye on it. Um, we, I remember I was texting you back and forth. Um, it's funny because with Coastal, uh, you know, especially with this group, it, you know, they they for whatever reason, they have close games that they're not supposed to. Yeah. Um, like this is a game they should have won. Buffalo, um, you know, Coastal with especially with uh, McCall and how the you know the offenses run, uh, should have handled this one, uh, handled this one very well. Um, but for whatever reason, Coastal Carolina just kind of couldn't get moving. Um, yeah. They kept kind of getting in their own way with that. Um, a lot of the RPO plays were not working it there, but they finally turned it on. Um, in the uh, second half, it got really scary in the first half. And in the second half, it started to hit their rhythm uh, with that. Grayson McCall had a pretty good game. And it was really kind of, it's that RPO style play, the blend of running and passing and keeping the defense off balance. Yeah. Uh, the uh, runner of uh, Jones, I think he had nearly uh, 200 yards. I we know had McCall had another 100, uh, good, uh, good game too. He had 149 and a touchdown. Yeah, so he had a really good game. Uh, McCall, yeah, had... 232 and uh, three touchdowns. And so, yeah, yeah, three touchdowns. I remember yeah, that. So solid game. And, you know, the kid, he does really well. He's a competitor, you know, like he's, you know, definitely got a good handle of that offense. And, you know, they're, you know, they're going to be in almost every game they play because they seem to be a really well-coached team. You know, their head coach is done a good job with those guys. So, um, you know, expect them regardless of the opponent, you know, they beat BYU last year, which everyone thought BYU was going to like stomp them and coastal, you know, hung on and beat them. So, um, you know, I, again, that's a team potentially with, 
Cincinnati to, uh, you know, get in the playoff. You never know. So, yeah, so it was, it looked like, uh, you know, Coastal was up by like 11 and then, uh, or is it Buffalo scored at the end to make it a four point game. So not as maybe as close as maybe uh, it, the final score looked. You know, I think it, it was close though. It was a lot closer oh, yeah, than yeah. Coastal would like it. But I think yeah. this also shows because Coastal has been in these situations that when the, they play these type of teams and they're in these type of games, they know how to get back from it. They know how to get out of the hole. Yeah. And so they, uh, they move on. And uh, as far as their schedule, uh, they got UMass next week, um, Louisiana Monroe, Arkansas State, and then Appalachian State. Appalachian State will uh, be that's gonna be the yeah, that'll that's be gonna be the game, game of the year. Yeah, the rest of those games I'm not really worried about for them, but definitely Appalachian State. Um, that's uh October 20th, so that'll be a I know they play uh, App State and Georgia Southern. I re- I know they're playing too, and Georgia Southern is always a team to keep uh, an eye on. Yeah. Um, they usually are are you can count on them pretty much for a trap game. Um, so those are the two games left for them. Um, besides like the obvious, they need to win the games they're supposed to, yeah. uh, you know, to win their conference. Okay. So let's move on to, uh, Michigan state, Miami. Uh, we both had Michigan state and we were right. And Miami just, I mean, I looked at the, like the highlights and Miami actually was kind of close into the fourth quarter. And then Michigan state scored like, uh, 21 in yeah, that it was fourth like, quarter. It, it was like, they, they went a run in the fourth quarter that like, it, it was like, you know, they just went downhill is what happened. And Miami just happened to be, you know, the person in the way of the rock. Yeah. Um, there was no, so again, I don't, I remember saying this and I remember saying this when I was watching it, I was like, you know, I picked Michigan state to win this. And technically this counts as like an upset pick, but it wasn't that surprising based on how Michigan state has performed uh, their the year. They hadn't lost a game yet. And Miami has been kind of lackluster. And again, I know I said this every time about Miami, but God bless Sierra King. He did everything possible he could to win this game. He even got injured and still came back out to try to will his way to the win. I know he had almost like 400 yards pass. He got close to it. He had like 370, 380 yards passing. 388. Yeah, 388 yards. Uh, He had a few touchdowns. He did have – I know he threw a couple picks and all that. But he did everything he possibly could to do that. I remember, especially for Miami, uh, the go-to target of Rambo was um, the go-to guy. But for the Michigan State, they just – just found a way to you know put a valve into it, especially in the yeah. fourth quarter. They put the clamps on and just gave their offense every opportunity uh to win that game. Thorne had a really good game at quarterback, uh, but especially Walker, um, the, the running back for Michigan State, he he was almost unstoppable. I think he almost I think he, I, he had well over 150 yards rushing. Yeah, uh, he had 172. One. Yeah, and it's uh you know, I think we both knew that Michigan State was a better team than Miami, and like you know, it's I think, you know, going forward, if they're going to win games, Derek King, Derek King can't throw 59 passes. I'm sorry, but no, they're, yeah, they're, they're not going to win games when he's throwing that much. And, uh, you know, you're relying on one guy to win a game and you can't win football games like that. I don't care who you are. You can't win a football game with one guy. And I, I mean, I don't think he's that good. I mean, he's done all right, but like, you know, he's just. He's, he's not as good as he possibly can can I, be. I know, and he's limited, so it's like 
I don't, you know, I never expect him to even touch the NFL. I mean, who knows what he does? Maybe he does something in NFL. I may be proving me wrong, but I don't think he will. I don't think he's an NFL caliber player. Um, that's why he came back, you know, regardless of the injury, I think he was coming back no matter what. So like, you know, um, it's, uh, you know, I, with Miami, they are not that good defensively. Um, yes. They got smoked by Miami. Uh, or uh, Alabama, and then they uh, struggled mightily with Michigan State, and then they didn't App play, State. and yeah. didn't play with, uh, didn't play well against App State as well. So it's like three games where they like all three teams offensively did what almost whatever they wanted, and uh, mm-hmm. you know Miami just, you know, one and two at this point. You know where they go from here, I don't know. I mean, they don't have any conference losses, so that's a good thing. So they yeah, so theoretically they still have a shot at the ACC championship, right? You know the, the CFP is gone, but they have a shot at the, uh, the getting the the coastal division. So you know everything is still available for them, but uh, or as far as the conference, but it's just I don't know. It's I would be frustrated as a Miami fan. I would hate to you know uh, be at this point where you're like what this is the third or fourth year of Diaz. I think, you know, third. Yeah. It's at least the third or fourth year. So, you know, don't call me on it, but I believe it was the third. Yeah. So he, you know, well, I know they went like, cause it was the year that, uh, uh, Felipe beat them and he was there. Yeah. And they, they went like, they went like seven and six. Then the next year they had like a good year and they only had like a couple losses and then last year they were kind of like whatever because it was COVID. So it was like a little different year. But uh yeah, so this is his fourth year. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, at this point, you kind of know where your trajectory is for a team after three or four years of a coach. At this point, I don't think they're gonna be any better than like a nine, ten win season, like at most. That's their ceiling. So if that's their ceiling. If that's what Miami wants, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, I know their fans want more. It's been so long since they've been a threat nationally, like consistently. So to get to that point would take a lot. They'd have to start beating those teams in the ACC, you know, beating um, Clemson, beating North Carolina consistently. They haven't done that yet. So, uh, you know, going forward, they'll need to, you know, win some of these games they need to beat teams like michigan state and they need to you know compete with alabama maybe not necessarily beat them but you know be competitive in those games okay uh next one um tulsa ohio state uh i didn't even watch the highlights because i didn't really care because i was like tulsa who cares but i know the ohio state running back had like over 277 yes, henderson yeah Terry on henderson so like hey that's a good rushing amount but obviously tulsa is not that good it's an aac team so it's like you know maybe if he did that against penn state i'd be more excited about it but i'm kind of just like whatever about it um you know cj stroud uh i'm trying to think uh let me see Da-da-da-da-da. Looking at the stats now. CJ Stroud didn't have like, I mean, they kind of relied on the running game for that one. So they kind of, you know, put the brakes on him. They kind of held him back a bit. Yeah. I mean, he only had 185 yards passing. So that's not very good. But yeah, when you have a guy rushing for, 
nearly 300 yards and three TDs, you're going to, you know, rely on that more than anything. Yes. Um, even master Teague still had like 60 yards as well. Um, yeah. So I'm not impressed with this team. This is one of the teams that they said would be, you know, competitive for the CFP spot. I don't really have them even close to it yet. So I'll wait till the, the rest of this year plays out to see if I end up getting them near that. But as of right now, I don't. How do you feel about this Ohio State team? Oh, with Ohio State, it, it's a lot of team. It's a team that has left a lot to be desired. Um, <clears throat> with the you know they had an you know okay game to start the year um, against Minnesota. Um, it was like a typical Ohio State starter. They struggled in the first half, but then came roaring back in the second. And then Oregon kind of revealed them um, that you know they're, they're just. I feel like with all these new players, they're just they're just not clicking yet. They're they're not at that point where they're like they know what exactly what to do and what's going on. This game also showed it because they you know going into halftime, it was only a thirteen to six game, um, and the way it's looking this year, Ohio State is looking like one of those second half teams, um, which I mean. Nothing wrong with that, but to win a national championship and to be a national champion team, you have to play four quarters. The other thing was the defense, although it held uh, Tulsa to 20 points, I believe they gave up over 500 yards to Tulsa. Um, and I know the quarterback, Bryn, of uh, Tulsa, um, yeah. he had over 400 yards passing. And to a team like Tulsa, completely, Playing against Ohio State, you can't, you you just cannot ha- ha- allow that um, as a team of high caliber as Ohio State. Ohio State is a much better team to allow something like that to happen. Um, when that, I will say, I was very impressed by the running game. I've been waiting to see that breakthrough um, since the beginning of the year. I haven't really seen that. Trayvon Henderson had a great game, and hopefully for Ohio State, that gets the ball moving because they are kind of a ground and pound type of team um, with that. But so far, it's been a little, you know, it's very lack. I'm not pressing the panic button. Uh, it's just, you know, it's sending off some signals to me of like, you know, it's kind of like the check engine light is coming on. You don't, you, you should <laughs> check it, but you never do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm going to preface this with if anyone's listening to this for the first time, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of big 10 nor big 10 teams. So, you know, whatever media bias goes into it, which it naturally does because the fact that there's so many uh, big 10 fans out there and they're like, you know, most of their games are some of the most watched games just because of the fact that there's nothing going on in those States. So of course they're going to watch football because their lives suck. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, but, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, they, they overrate these teams all the time. They give them much more credence than they deserve. And, you know, I kind of just take it with a grain of salt. I know what the reality is. You know, I, I posted that in an article I wrote uh, last year. Uh, basically, it was a brand statement about how I feel that the SEC is far and away better than the Big Ten. And it shows out in the numbers. You know, I did the analysis. It's just there's there's more proof that the SEC is a better conference over the last 30, 40 years and, you know, bowl record wise, first pick wise in the NFL, like everything, there's like almost every statistic, like 
overall records, like head to head matchups, like everything. So I feel that someone like Ohio state gets overrated because they are the best team in that conference. And so then naturally, because they don't play other teams, but they did this year and look what happened. They played someone that is a stronger team for another conference and look what happened. They lost. And, you know, yes, they did get to the, the championship game last year and they were, somewhat competitive against Alabama. You know, it wasn't like a complete blowout, but it was still Alabama was in, in control. Alabama had control of that game. Yeah. It would like, it wasn't like Alabama was like afraid of losing that game, but uh, regardless, they did beat Clemson and they beat Clemson pretty significantly. And that was one of the better Clemson teams the last like five, six years. So, um, but uh, no, I, I, it remains to be seen. I'll wait to see what happens this year, and I'll voice my opinion on Ohio State. But regardless, I don't think highly of them, and let's move on. So another team I don't think highly of as well, uh, Georgia Tech-Clemson. This game was a real snooze. It was, like, uh, delayed, like, as I think there was lightning or whatever. And it was yeah, like- it had a two-hour delay for um, there because there was lightning in the air. And I'm telling you, as a person who has worked in, like, football and stuff, the yeah. worst possible sight you could see is the sky lighting up at night. Yeah. you know that game's going to get delayed. It's They always say – you know, just on personal preference, referees always, you know, have told when I was, you know, in high, you know, doing Clearwater High football and other teams, they would always say like, oh, it takes about 30 minutes and stuff like that. Two hours later, they tell us it's still going to take 30 minutes. That's like yeah, a normal occurrence. It's the worst possible. The rain is fine. The rain doesn't matter. Yeah, but as soon lighting. as you... I remember, I, I, I don't mean to go on a tangent here, but I remember I was walking out of the bus with the head coach of Clearwater High Football, um, uh, Don Messick, um, and we're walking out, and I'm saying, you know, I'm rolling my camera stuff up, and it was kind of cloudy, and we and the sky lights up, and it was like a lightning bolt. It, it, it hit, and all players behind me, him and myself, collectively go, oh, <laughs> because we immediately knew here come the refs trotting out and they go we're under a lightning delay and we're like f it all right gotta get inside and stuff <laughs> but it was funny because he also told me ian set the camera up i was like i'm not setting the camera up because i had to put it on a pole i'm like yeah, i ain't yeah. becoming a lightning rod dude <laughs> you know <laughs> But I just, I just, because that's the thing that sucks too, is that like everybody's in a terrible mood once they see lightning. Yeah. Coach was getting mad at me for not sending it up. I was getting mad at him because I don't want to become a, you know, a Ben Franklin lightning rod. Team's getting mad because that means we're not going to get home on time. Overall, lightning delays suck. <laughs> yes. And, but back to what we were talking about Clemson yes. only wins 14 to eight and very boring game back and forth. Like, you know, nothing going on. Uh, again, you know, why, well, we'll talk about in a second with Georgia, why I don't think so highly of Georgia's defense, because this team that, you know, was highly rated at the beginning of the year has scored an average of like eight points a game in two games that they've played and they played Georgia and Georgia tech, you know, and I'm just like, I honestly don't believe that Clemson is that good. And thus, Georgia's defense is that good as well. So that's just what I'm going to say there. But uh, anything from this game that stands out, I know it wasn't that big of a game because it was the, the stats are really putrid in this one. So, yeah, I know how I made the comparison of like, you know, I'm not sold on, you know, I'm not saying hit the panic button on Ohio State. And I technically shouldn't be saying this for Clemson for this one. This is a, you know, this is the check engine light, the oil light, the gas light. A lot of the lights are going off in your car right now. The car's not breaking down yet. 
but the signs are there that this is something's bad. Something bad is happening. If you do not fix this immediately, that is exactly yeah. what Clemson is going through right now. Um, Georgia Tech, as you know, as you know, is not does not have as much talent as Clemson. Straight up. Clemson, you know, this is another thing with Ohio State. These are the teams you you were supposed to win the games you're supposed to, and you're supposed to do them convincingly. A win is a win. I understand that. But again, if they play this game, you know, when they play, you know, teams, uh, you know, when they play, you know, I know they play NC State this year. I know they got to go play, um, you know, Louisville um, as well with, you know, Malik Cunningham is always dangerous. Um, and with Pickett at Pitt. If they play this type of game, they 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 will lose. They will straight up lose if they play this type of game. They cannot sleepwalk on these games uh, for this one. Um, I was yeah. I have out of all the teams that have disappointed me this start of the year, Clemson has been the one. I thought I knew Clemson might have hit a few bumps because it's always they lost a lot of talent and stuff. But this, I thought what was going to be maybe a pothole turned out to be maybe like a two ton boulder. Um, because if they do not fix this quick, it has the potential of becoming a rough season uh, for the Tigers, especially considering past expectations for them. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that doesn't bode well, uh, you know, something like this, this type of game. Um, I don't know. Georgia Tech is not very good, and they made them look a lot better than they actually are. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's tough. But uh, I'm going to move on to South Carolina, Georgia. Um South Carolina is not very good as well, but Georgia did the thing of beating them down and JT Daniels came in and played very well. So he had really good stats. Uh, again, I don't think highly of South Carolina because of, you know, the must champ effect of being one of the worst uh, like uh, roster managers that seems to exist in college football. And he left, you know, South Carolina really devoid of any talent. So, um, you know, it's a take this game with a grain of salt again. This is a team that, you know, hasn't really been tested yet. And yet everyone seems to be kissing their ass and saying they're these, this amazing team. Well, you know what? I'm not kissing their ass because I need to see this against good teams. You know, Florida has already played a good team in Alabama. Who the hell is Georgia played? They played a weak uh, Clemson team. So what I need to see is what's going to happen um, next week or not next week. Uh, this next week they're playing Vandy, but uh, the week, the two weeks after that, they play Arkansas and, uh, and Auburn. So mm-hmm. they will get tested in October. They have two games in a row that are really strong. And then that is they our also- hell month. Yeah, and then they also have Kentucky after that, which is, I don't know, I think it's fool's gold with them as well. But but then they have Florida. So that's four games uh, that are right in a row. Well, they got a bye week after the, the Kentucky game. But, you know, four games in the month of October where they're going to get tested, uh, strong opponents. Um, two of the games are at home, so that helps them immensely. But, you know, one of them's at Auburn and the other one's in Jacksonville. So, uh, but – Anything from this game that stands out to you? Um, I will say the one thing I'm kind of – I'm going to lie to myself and say Kirby Smart listens to us because he has been saying – he did the one thing that I've been telling Jordan to do, and that's pass the ball. JT Daniels threw the ball. I'm just – the stat line I just was shocked by. 
he, he threw the ball more than 20 times. And I think that counts as this is the first time Georgia has won with a quarterback that has thrown more than 20 or 30 times in a game. Because before that, Georgia's offense is built on, you know, running, running, running. And the only time they pass is on play action pass. It's effective. That's why they keep doing it. But he just let him rip. He, you know, JT Daniels, you know, threw, I think he threw 30, 30 passing attempts. Close to that. Um, And I know he had over 300 yards. He had touchdown. I will say, I'll tip the cap. Good passing game uh, from Georgia. Um, is it enough? You know, can they do that consistently when they play these teams, you know, where it's going to require the passing game to win it? Because I've, I've always said this. They definitely have the defense. They have the defense to win a national championship. It's the offense that is their anchor that keeps dragging them down. And it's showing signs of improvement. I don't think they're there yet. Their defense is definitely elite but they need to have the offense to answer it. I disagree that their defense is elite. I will have to see it against a better opponent, you know, until I see them play against uh, a team like um, Arkansas, who has a decent offense and Auburn, then I will be able to tell you if it's elite or not. We'll have to wait to see until they play those two opponents. Then I can say, all right, they're up in the upper echelon. But as of right now, the jury's still out and we'll wait and see. All right, let's move on. Auburn, speaking of Auburn, Auburn, Penn State. We both had Penn State winning. Penn State wins 28 to 20. Um, back and forth game. Auburn kept it close, um, but Penn State pulls away. Uh, what do you think in this game? What do you, what, what, what's your takeaways from here? Uh, this one, honestly, this was one, you know, one of those games of the night, very good game, uh, for, for the year. I think the biggest thing though, was that just the mistakes by Auburn is what sunk them. Um, Auburn, uh, I know, you know, they were pretty even. I, and I know like turnover wise, they didn't even give up that many turnovers. It was as even as a game you could get. Uh, but I just know, you know, they had a lot of opportunities, to jump ahead of Penn State and they couldn't convert. Um, you know, I, I think they were stopped on a fourth down call. I, I know there was a lot of missed passes um, from Bo Nix and all that. Um, I will, Auburn did uh, their best for coming, but when you have that many mistakes, it just kind of gets in the way. Uh, Penn State, the difference was Penn State played a complete game. Auburn had a pretty good, they were, you know, it was kind of start and stop the whole game. Penn State just had straight out complete game. Um, and whenever it got like too scary, too difficult, when Auburn came close, they answered the bell and they came right back um, for that one. So I will say it was a very good one for Penn State. I'm not going to hang the loss too bad on Auburn because I still have Penn State as like a top 10 team and all that. Um they can definitely build off this. Uh, they just need to fix the mistakes because uh, I think they had the potential to win this game. They just have to play a complete game. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like what Penn State did in this game. I think they're a very capable team. Um, you know, beating a team like Auburn is definitely a huge win for them, especially um, – you know, after beating that Wisconsin team on the road. So combining those two, probably the two like together best wins of the year, I would say out of any team right now, I don't, I can't think of anyone else and thus why they got, uh, you know, put in uh, number six spot, you know, in the AP poll. So, you know, they have a 
lot of uh, potential to make it a great year. You know, they have a hard schedule. Um, you know, they play um, – uh, they're going to play uh, Ohio State. They're going to play Michigan. So they have tougher games coming up. Um, I don't think that highly of Michigan, so that's whatever. But they also have Iowa, and they also have Michigan State. So that's, you know, two, three tough games yeah, left. left. Yeah, so, like, it's not like they're going to, like, you know, and they also play Indiana. So, you know, Indiana is a strong team. So that's, and I, and I'm hearing Maryland's a good team as well. So I don't know about Maryland, but With, uh, yeah, tug of Viola at quarterback. Yeah. So like, I'm hearing things about them. So that's a couple of games that they're going to struggle with. And then Rutgers is doing better with uh, Shiano. So, you know, you never know with that team. And I know Michigan plays Rutgers this week and we'll talk about that in the week ahead. Cause I think I have that listed. Uh, maybe I don't, I thought, yeah, I do have it listed. Okay. So yeah, we'll talk about that in the week ahead, but uh, no, um, you know, the Penn state team strong, you know, their quarterback looked pretty good. Their tight ends looked really good. They had a lot of like, you know, uh, specific plays for the tight ends to uh, get loose from the linebackers. And they were, they were making plays and uh, you know, if they keep that going, you know, a dual tight end game is very dangerous. And, uh, you know, he Clifford had a really good game. He only had four incompletions, you know, one interception, which sucks, but four incompletions is really good. But uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about the Virginia UNC game, which you were so oh, high oh. on Virginia, but UNC smoked them. And I told you, man, like uh, there's something about Sam Howell. Both these kids did well. Brennan and Howell had huge games. I mean, Brennan obviously went off, you know, 550, which is um, amazing. It's probably one of the better performances ever in the, you know, in like, you know, uh, power five uh, teams ever against another power five. Uh, But uh, no, uh, you know, back, it was kind of back and forth, but really like UNC was had enough cushion that they were really ahead most of the part or most, most of the game. And then just, you know, pretty much ran away with it at the end. And, uh, you know, Hey, Virginia is an exciting team and we'll see what they end up doing the rest of the year. But, uh, UNC is definitely one of those teams that's going to be, um, uh, you know, uh, competitive in the ACC and, you know, they have, uh, you know, some tough games upcoming, but, uh, you know, definitely a good game for them and, you know, a good trending upwards for them. Cause you know, that's, Gives them a division lead and in a, a head to head as well, so they've got the uh, the advantage there. Uh, anything that that game stands out? I know you love uh, Brennan a lot, but uh, he didn't end up with the victory. But uh, what was your opinion of this game? Yeah, this one, you know, I think the main difference was because um, I, I was able to catch this game actually um, was that the, the the biggest difference between this one was that both of the these teams passing were pretty equal. Um, I know Brendan Armstrong, you know, he's one of those guys, he had over 500 yards. I was still like amazed that, you know, how well he did and is still being, um, he had a fantastic game despite the loss. I, you know, I can't anchor it on him. Uh, and because this was a game where this is like a big 12 game, the defense is kind of, you know, just sat down and let them, you know, throw it all over the place. The biggest thing was that North Carolina had the rushing game 
Virginia didn't. And that was the biggest thing was the fact that Virginia was still able to run the ball at a consistent level to the point. And you saw it too in the game where the linebackers had to creep up a bit and the secondary as well had to creep up a bit. And that made it much easier for Sam Howe to get those passing plays off. Uh, Cause I don't think Sam Howe passed a lot, but he definitely had those big plays, uh, especially on play action uh, pass plays. It's kind of typical Georgia. They ran the ball, had consistent running as soon as the backfield, you know, crept up there, they hit like a, like drag route and just cut through the middle and they were able to score those big plays. Uh, that was the biggest thing uh, that happened. Uh, Virginia, they, the only thing they could do on was rely on the passing game and they did everything possible. Brendan Armstrong did everything he possibly could to win this one. The Virginia defense couldn't get the stop and they couldn't get the run game going. North Carolina could. And that was the biggest takeaway from this one is that North Carolina had that and Virginia didn't to win the game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, UNC only has that loss to Vatek, so they still have a lot going for them. And uh, potentially if they would win out and, you know, be the best team in the ACC, you could arguably see them get in the CFP if everything went their way. But as of right now, it's just – it's it's a lot to overcome. But, okay, so let's move on. Uh, Tulane, Ole Miss, uh, you know, Matt Corral went off, seven total TDs. They win 61-21, blowing out Tulane, a team that was competitive against Oklahoma, took Oklahoma to like a one-possession game, uh, and they had the ball near the end in in the Oklahoma game to this where it was a complete blowout. It was like 61-21 in like the third quarter. So, like, I'm almost positive that Matt Corral didn't even play any of the fourth. So, you know, big difference. I like Ole Miss a lot, you know. It, their schedule obviously gets a lot dicier going forward. You know, they've got, um, let's see, they got games against Alabama, obviously. Play, but uh, Yep, they play Alabama. Yeah, they play their next game is Alabama, then yeah. Arkansas. Um, I don't, I know they have to go at Auburn this year. Um, they have to be at Auburn. So that's going to be a tough one. I know they, they play, play LSU Texas at home. A- LSU at home, they play Texas A&M at home, so and Arkansas at home. So they've got, you know, uh, three games, three huge games at home. Uh, they have to play Tennessee on the road, which is tough, but I'm almost positive that Ole Miss would smoke them because Tennessee's defense is not very good. Um, but, uh, you know, I like the fact that Ole Miss has a bye week before going into this Alabama game. Gives them the rest. Gives them ready to go. We'll talk about that game when it comes to it. Uh, not next week, but the week after that. But let's let's move on because it was really not much else really to talk about. Just the fact that Ole Miss destroyed them. Arizona State, BYU. I forgot to watch the highlights. Oh, no, I did watch the highlights in this one. You know, kind of like a back and forth game. But uh, what is it? Arizona State had that uh, interception. And then the guy. Yeah, interception. Then it fumbled. I was watching yeah, this. Was like, this oh was the last God. game I was able to watch. Yeah. He picked the ball up and he intercepted it. And a BYU guy, it literally looked like he hopped on him. I don't know if you guys have ever played like Call of Duty Zombies, um, but in like the Black Ops 2 game, there was these little like, you know, spider monkey looking things that would hop on your back and scratch your face. That's literally what he looked like. <laughs> he hopped on his back and hit the ball out from behind him. And like, I guess it surprised him. Um, and he dropped the ball on BYU, got the ball back. Yeah. And that was, I think that was like basically the difference in the game. Cause if they had like 
scored it on took that a possession drive. away. Yeah, yeah. If they if they had scored there or like you know whatever, like they would have made it a lot closer, and then you know that completely changed the game. So, um, you know, we both had BYU there, and BYU wins. And man, BYU looks like a team. Honestly, you know, if they keep uh, you know doing what they're doing, you could see them. Uh, you know, sneaking into conversations. Uh, I am encouraged with the fact that they've done so well that, you know, beating Utah last week, uh, beating Arizona State, both of those teams were decent Pac-12 teams, but they have uh, Boise State coming up, and they also have Virginia. They have Virginia, and they've got Baylor uh, and USC. So that's three, four really good games. So they, they'll be tested for sure. Um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, USC real quick. Just uh, Keaton Slovis got injured and then um, Dart came in and played a hell of a game. Uh, you know, just I wanted to mention it real quick. I didn't have it written down. It wasn't one of our games. But, you know, interesting story there because Clay Hilton gets fired. So USC is, you know, without their head coach. And, you know, they lost to Fresno State. But... Thus, lo and behold, we'll talk about Fresno State right now. Fresno State had a remarkable game against UCLA, and Fresno State beats UCLA. So Fresno State beat both USC and UCLA in back-to-back weeks, like huge. Like, dude, that, like, I I mean, I am amazed that there's not much being talked about Fresno State, but it's like, honestly, Fresno State looks like a really decent team um, you know, and uh, they held Oregon to the wire, and they have a UCLA. Also, I wanted to say this is the uh, UCLA balloon. Yeah. <laughs> there goes the air. I remember okay. seeing seeing but, that game, and I was like, "Ooh, that's tough." Oh, I was wrong. USC lost to Stanford. My bad. It was oh, UC- UCLA. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at UC- UCLA on yeah, that I, one. I had said USC and UCLA got beat by Fresno State. I was wrong. So it was just just UCLA. But regardless, um, no, UCLA, it, yes, the game, you know, it sucks that they lost. But UCLA looked really good in the game, in the loss. Uh, Charbonneau uh, had another great game. Uh, you know, DTR is a really good quarterback, a really good college quarterback. And, you know, I I said after my assessment after watching the LSU game that they uh, they might go ten and two. They still could go ten and two. You know they they have the potential to do it. So we'll see what happens. I I know you're not the biggest fan, but you know I think they look strong, and I I want to see what they do, especially against Oregon. That game's coming up. Uh, but for Fresno State, that guy uh, Hayner had like four hundred fifty five yes. yards and two TDs, and like just man, just the guy was a like. He was getting pummeled, but he was staying in there and just amazing poise and like to be able to to finish that game off and a remarkable win. It was a late game and it was back and forth. So it was like even people on the East Coast were paying attention to it like yourself. So, you know, it was a, a very interesting game. All right. So the game of the week, we're going to talk about it here now. Florida, Alabama, you know, we talked about it before we started doing the the show today and we were both pleasantly surprised considering the fact that Florida went down 21 to three at one point in the first quarter. And it looked terrible at that point. Like, you know, Emory led them on a, a a field goal scoring drive at one point, but then besides that he threw an interception and things just didn't look like they were going well. And they easily could have, you know, 
change the game plan and pass the ball a shit ton, but they didn't. They stuck with the run game and they were got rewarded because they dominated the trenches. And not only were they dominating on the trenches, and the offensive side from that point on, from when it was 21, three, the defense for Florida, all they, 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 were, they were on lockdown. And not only that, they were not calling any fucking holding penalties against uh, Alabama, which they were holding like every single time. Florida was getting through, and they the only thing they could do to stop them was like tackle them or hold on to them, and that was it. And they were just not calling it, so they were getting away with it, and it was like you know it was bullshit. But then also um, the uh, the pass interference calls. I think there was like three of them, and at least two of them were suspect. Especially one of them was one of one or two were a bit uh, ticky tacky. Oh, the one against Kyrie Elam on that third down uh, where Mechie was going for it. Mechie barely got a hand on the ball, and then like Kyrie barely even touched him, and it should not have been called in any way. The the you know announcers Gary Danielson and um, I can't remember the other guy. The Brad Nussler. Brad Brad Musburger. Or no, wait, what is it? Nussler. Nussmeyer, right. Nestler, Brad Nestler, Nestler. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forget his name. So Brad Nestler, uh, you know, they both pointed it out. It was obvious that it shouldn't have been called and it was. And then the drive resulted in a touchdown could have been the difference in the game, but actually the biggest difference in the game was a missed extra point, which forced the Gators to go for two after they got a touchdown to get within two. And uh, because they had to do the two point conversion and they tried, they didn't get it. So if they'd been able just to kick the extra point there and to tie it, this game would have went into overtime likely and it didn't. And Alabama holds on and wins. And you know what? It sucks that they lost, but they looked really good. You know, almost everyone picked Alabama to get to blow them out. You know, the guys on Gator nation football podcast picked it, you know, you picked you know, Alabama to win by no 17, um, you know, every everyone except for Tebow picked Florida to lose a, a, on SEC Nation and college game day. So literally no one thought it was going to be a close game. I was like the only one. Apparently, I was literally the only one that thought it would be close. I just thought it would be close because of the fact that the talent gap has gotten significantly less than it was three years ago, four years ago, you know, like when McIlwain was taking Florida to those SEC championship games, Florida was nowhere near uh, on the yeah, level no, of Alabama. Yeah. And so it's like, it was night and day between those teams. And now where like those teams had some players, but now it's like almost everywhere on Florida's team, you can see really good players. The offensive line is really good. The defensive line is really good. The running backs is really good. Uh, the quarterback play with uh, Anthony Richardson is remarkably well. Wide receiver play is great, but it's just kind of hit or miss just now because of Emory Jones doesn't have the best passing attack. So it, that'll lessen, but there's still good run blocking and they do little things there to make a difference. Uh, the tight ends are pretty decent. Uh, Zipper and Gamble had really good games. Uh, you know, the safeties and cornerback play was pretty well, especially after that tough start. Um, you know, the team is there. It just needs that little extra. They're just on the door. You know, if they can get back to the SEC championship give, uh, game this time, maybe they can get over that edge. Maybe that, you know, Anthony Richardson will be healthy at that time. And who knows? And he plays a couple of drives here and there. And maybe he's the difference in the game. I don't know. I was really excited with the game. And yes, 
I was very down on Emory Jones last week and I wrote that article, but Emory proved all of us wrong. And he had arguably his best game as a Gator. And, you know, he, he held in there. He, he put them on that fucking 99 yard drive. Like literally dude, it's the, it's the only other time that a team has done that against Nick Saban when he's been at Alabama. So one other team has done it and they did it. And that's remarkable considering that they needed that just to be able to get back in the game. And he did it. And, you know, um, I'm I'm very pleased with his effort. I'm very pleased with the whole team. You know, I can't wait to see what they do next week against Tennessee and going forward. This honestly, this makes this team in this year that much more uh, exciting and that that there's more potential with this team. Like, yes, it's a loss, but at the same time, they played as best they could and they they were right there with them. So I think that they can compete with every team in the nation, especially proving it against like a team like Alabama. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think the thing too with this game is that it did prove Emory Jones is finally, especially in that second half, was able to do the thing I and a lot of people have been saying, to just simplify it. He, we saw Emory Jones the first uh, two games. He was really pressing in a lot of plays. A lot of, you know, there's a lot of those interceptions were bad calls. It looks like he was just trying to force the ball in there. I don't know what it was in the second half, and maybe Bowen whispered something to him, but he was finally making the simple play. The guy is there, and if it's in rhythm, go to him. If not, Dude, you can get like five, six yards on that. The biggest thing Florida did that kept them in that game is that they were getting positive yards. That was the biggest thing, and that's the biggest thing you can do for against any defense, especially a number one defense or a top defense like Alabama. Just keep getting the ball. I remember I heard on the CBS broadcast, the best thing Florida can do is make it get those like, you know, maybe four-yard, six-yard plays and make it at least – third second and manageable make it manageable make it easier for your offense that's the only thing you can ask for them and that's exactly what the offense did that's exactly what emory jones did you can tell in that second half the offense was not forcing anything the offense was not pressing and i was very impressed by the offense in that because i've as i mentioned uh before that any like when I when I went twenty one to three in the first quarter, I I texted you and I texted my cousin who was at the game, and I still believe this. This isn't a team that they were playing. This was a machine that was just like eating them up. It just goes to you know goes to all these cities, destroys their teams, and gets another championship. I don't know if they threw the wrench in the machine, but they showed there is some you know screws loose. There is a way. You can get through this. The defense did a very good job of limiting uh, Young's attack and passing. They did a really good job of getting pressure to him, make him feel uncomfortable. And that's what they did extremely well in the second half. First quarter, it was a breeze. But ever since then, they're able to get the pressure. And they finally stopped. I remember I was screaming at the top of my lungs when I was watching in the first corner, do not play soft zone against Bama because Nick Saban and Alabama will eat that up. Because what you're pretty much telling Alabama is here's free seven yards. And Alabama will take that any day of the week. And that's exactly what happened. But as soon as they made the adjustments, and that was the biggest thing, too, is that you saw adjustments in this game that they said, okay, the soft zone is not working. We got to we gotta play the man-to-man, and that's exactly what happened. They played a man-to-man, they put pressure on Bryce Dunn, and they were able to make their presence zone. They were able to – and that was the biggest thing. The defense gave the offense – as much opportunity as possible to get back in this game. I was actually kind of more impressed with the defense's response uh, as well because 
when you get down 21 to three, that's pretty disheartening. Cause on like the first, like what, two, three drives, he scored a touchdown and all that. But the defense just locked down, played them man to man, gave them as, you know, tough a time as possible. They gave their defense, the defense gave every option for the offense to come back in this. And the offense was that close. And I've said this, Florida is that close. They said, I remember I saw a tweet there. Florida is a quarter or five minutes away from beating Alabama. They, they are right on the doorstep. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm of the mindset that, uh, you know, <sighs> this sucks. Trust me, losing to a game, losing to a team like Alabama always sucks. It's never, uh, it's never fun to, to be close in these games and then to lose. Like there's, almost no uh like reward in losing but i'm also a realist as well and i know how far that the gators were to being competitive again and now that i know that they can compete with every team in the nation i'm not as worried now i'm not as you know i'm not like you know i know even we were talking about it and people were talking about last week how you know oh ventral miller's hurt you know the run defense is not going to be as good boop they only had like 90 yards rushing. Like Florida yeah, they stuffed them they, and they filled. That was the biggest thing. You saw the defense. They straight up told them, look, keep it in front of you. Keep yeah. it in front of you. Fill those holes. Do not let a guy get behind you, especially a running back. You're going to fill those gaps. And you're going to make sure no Alabama player blows passing. That's exactly what they did. And they had, you know, quite a few tackles for losses. They had a couple sacks, you know, God damn, Brenton Cox had that one where he pulled into coverage before he got the PI, but he had the, the one where he pulls back and it was right in his fucking hands. And I was like, Oh my God, if he'd had that, that like that game would have been completely different. Cause I think at that point, I can't remember if it was a five point game. I think it was, I think it was a five point game. I know exactly what you're it's talking like, about. And if they, if they get the ball there, cause they, they, the only bad thing of the fact that the rushing attack, you know, that was their game plan is that it takes so much time off the clock. So because- not only that, you knew, I knew going into that game and that's exactly what Alabama did. Again, say, I know, I know Florida had more time of possession, but I knew with how Saban calls his games and all that, that he was going to give as little time as possible uh, for the other team. Yeah. Or, or try to. Uh, wild. I mean, you know, I'm I'm excited about the rest of the year, but it's just definitely tough taking a loss. I was probably the least like pissed after a loss I've been in a long while. Because Same. I was I, I was telling I was telling everybody it's like you know like oh Florida lost, and I was like you know what, it, it's better than the SEC. Think about this: in 2016, when we played Alabama, they lost 54 to 17, and now and I've also mentioned this too. I, I don't think if you ask anybody in the country that they would disagree that if the season ended today, Alabama could win the national championship. But and say that does happen, that is three years in a row, all under uh, Dan Mullen, um, that the eventual juggernaut of you know top dominant team that won the national championship, their toughest team they played. Was Florida. Florida 2019 yeah. Joe Burrow LSU only won by a touchdown and made it close that whole game. Last year well, Alabama they, they won to, by they won by two touchdowns, but two, no, two yeah. touchdowns. Sorry, yeah, 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 you're right. And then you know Al- Alabama last year in the SEC championship 
by far the toughest team Alabama played all year. It wasn't yeah. even close. Yeah. And now this year, I, I, the way I see Alabama's schedule, I mean, I know, you know, Ole Miss and a lot of those teams are definitely going to be some trap games, but I seriously doubt there's going to be a team that's going to give them that much of a troll because you can tell Alabama was hanging on for dear life at the yeah. end of that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely – if that went to overtime, I think Florida probably would have won the game. Um, but, okay, let's move on. Just lack, uh, last thing I wanted to mention from this this uh, this past week, uh, USF beat FAMU. Uh, so, good on USF. Finally got their first win. Good for them. And then Florida State is 0-3 to start the season. Yep. The first time since I, I 19, saw it. 1976. So, I saw go. it, too. I'm, I don't know if I'm – this is completely accurate – but I believe Florida State is the only FBS team in Florida that has not won a game of all the FBS teams. Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. So, yeah. So FAU, FIU, yeah. USF, UCF, Florida, Miami have all won a game um, except Florida State. Yeah, well, they deserve it because they're shitty fan base and <laughs> shitty people that go there. But anyway, so let's move on. All right, so uh, real quick of the Heisman, who do you have in your list of just any guys that like stand out? Maybe, maybe a little different, whatever. Uh, just go over a few that you've got. I mean, with this one, you know, I was tempted on Nike knocking Bryce Young out, but I think he did as good as he could in a hostile environment in the swamp. He definitely had really good plays in the first half. His second half left a lot to be desired. But the new ones, I have Sam Howell coming back into the conversation with the Heisman, especially uh, after that game. I still have Brennan Armstrong as a Heisman, uh, potential Heisman favorite based on how, you know, just throwing like over 400, 500 yards and almost like four or five touchdowns a game. That's insane. Matt Corral, I finally am becoming a believer in Matt Corral. Seven total touchdowns I is nothing to, you know, glance out. And I certainly have not. He's definitely a front runner for the Heisman. Um, for me, though, as well, uh, Trevon Henderson of Ohio State, the running back. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get the same amount of snaps as he will for the rest of the year. But I know with Ohio State, they, are, they definitely do subsist on a lot of running backs. If he has those type of games and he has every opportunity, to be, there's potential that he can make a running for the Heisman. Yeah, and I like a lot of those picks. I think the one that uh, you didn't mention that I'd like is uh, potentially KJ Jefferson from Arkansas. The guy's been putting up solid numbers and. Uh, He'll get a chance a to pick. prove it against Texas A&M. I like Brennan Armstrong as well. Solid numbers. Sam Howell, uh, Rattler, Matt Corral, of course. I think Matt Corral, I think he's going to be the one that ends up getting it. I really do. I know it's early, but I'm just seeing the potential of what they do numbers-wise. And I know that Lane is aware of that stuff. That's why he was in there so late and, like, putting up numbers because it's like, you know – Corral played Tulane, uh, Rattler played Tulane, and Corral looked way better than Rattler. Mm-hmm. So it's like already Corral, I think, has a, a leg up over Rattler. C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, I don't know, will remains to be seen. Um, I mean, Bryce Young did good at first, but I think he was kind of, I don't know, didn't make enough plays for me really to, like, put him over the edge uh, this week. But, uh, all right, let's talk about the CFP teams. I've got... Uh, Cincinnati at four, Ole Miss three, Oregon, and then Alabama. So those are my four. I like Cincinnati because of their schedule and Ole Miss potentially they have to beat 
the good teams on their schedule. So it's going to be tougher Oregon, you know, a decent schedule, which, you know, if they win out, they'll be there. Alabama, if they win out, they'll be there as well. The last four out, our last two out, I have Oklahoma and Georgia. I just don't not seeing it with either of those two teams. I see at least one loss for both of them. So we'll see. Uh, who do you have in your CFP? Yes. Uh, my top four is Alabama. It's unchanged from last week. Alabama at one, Georgia at two, Oregon at three, Iowa at four. My first two out do change. I have Cincinnati at five and Penn State at six. Penn State at six. Okay. Okay. So you had Alabama, Georgia, and who was Oregon? Oregon, and then Oregon was- at three, Iowa at four, and my first two Iowa out are Cincinnati and Penn State. Gotcha. Ole Miss, okay. I do have in my top 10, though. Okay. Yeah, I just like Ole Miss a lot. I'm, I don't see much teams being able to stop their offense. Okay, so let's move on. Now we're going to go on to the week four look ahead. First game, we got UNLV Fresno State. This is an easy one. I know we're probably going to pick both pick Fresno State. Uh, I'm going to say Fresno State probably scores like, I'd say, 35, and then UNLV probably scores like 22, something like that. That's what I'm going to go uh, with. I think Fresno State's actually going to – I think it's going to be a bigger – I think Fresno State's going to run away with this one. It's 42. I would go with 42-14 score because UNLV – I might have been the only person who noticed this when I watched these late-night games because um, UNLV's quarterback play, they still do not have a consistent quarterback starting yet. Yeah, uh, They still have a rotation there. So I think with all that confusion, I think Fresno State takes this one and they take it big. Okay, next one is Notre Dame, Wisconsin. And I think this game is in um, I think it's in Green Bay, I think, or is it's somewhere not Wisconsin. I'm almost positive. Let me see real quick, real quick before we uh, discuss what this game is going to be. Let's see. What I think it it's in Chicago. Oh, yeah. It's Wasn't in it? Chicago. Yeah, it's Chicago. That's what I knew it was oh, yeah. somewhere different, which Chicago is not far for. Uh, Wisconsin fans, you know, because it's it's uh, let's see, it's not saying it. it says at Wisconsin, but I know it's not there. It's like, well, it's the same thing how like George and Florida are at each other, but it's played in a neutral site. Yeah. Uh, where's I think they're playing in Soldier Field. Yes. Soldier Field. Yes, you're right. Yeah, that's where it is. So, yeah, uh, the games at Soldier Field. So interesting, you know, choice for this game. But um, I think Wisconsin's going to win this one. I think Wisconsin's going to win like 24 to like 14. That's what I'm going with. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, again, I don't know if this counts as an upset. I guess it does. But I think based on Wisconsin's defense, Notre Dame has struggled against some pretty weak teams offensively. So now they have to get to handle a Wisconsin team that is known for their hard-nosed defense. I think Wisconsin wins this one. I might have – I'd go with a t- honest – 21 to 13 win Wisconsin. Yeah, it's going to be close, I think. So uh, definitely. um, But I just like Wisconsin better. I like their quarterback. Um, You know, he's been able to put up efficient uh, days. So I think he can do that against Notre Dame because I don't think highly of this Notre Dame team. Uh, They're not as strong as they were last year. Um, You know, they'll definitely – 
uh, uh, take a couple losses, maybe one or two this year. So, um, you know, this is probably going to be one of them. So let's move on. Um, one of my favorite games, I, I love the SEC West because there's so many games every year that like are interesting and just like, you know, have wild outcomes. Last year was no different. LSU lost to Mississippi State on the first game of the year and Mississippi State like threw for like 500 yards or some shit and it was ridiculous. So Mississippi State going up against LSU. I'm going to say Mississippi State loses and i'm gonna say lsu wins i'm gonna say 35 to 27 that's what i'm gonna go with yeah i I actually agree with you on this one i think lsu gets revenge from last year based on how mississippi state will try to hit their stride but i think lsu will be able to find a way to especially with the secondary prevent any you know real a bunch of big plays from happening. I think it might be high scoring. I have around the same scores as you. I'll go with uh, 38 to 30 win uh, LSU. And then uh, the next one we have is SMU TCU. This is, I don't know anything about TCU. I only saw a little bit of SMU. I mean, SMU put up some points and obviously scored on that last second win. So, uh, you know, you would want more out of that team, but TCU is going to be still a decent opponent. Uh, Ian, I want to hear your opinion first. I'm going to give my, I'm going to calculate a score right now and then I'll uh, uh, announce it after you say it. So go ahead. Tell me what you think of this TCU SMU game. Yeah, this one, a rematch of the Southwest conference. Another one of these games um, when these two teams used to be in the same uh, conference in the eighties. This should be a fun one. I expect this to be old fashioned Texas shootout. Um, both these teams uh, offense, I think have averaged almost 40 points a game defenses have been, you know, haven't really been there. I know with um, the quarterback play of TCU, it hasn't been as consistent. Um, I believe the starter as of right now is Duggan for the Horned Frogs. Um, but I think SMU gets the win based on the more consistent offense and passing game for Mordecai. So with that one, I'm going to go with SMU in this one. I'll go with a, um, 41 to 35 win, uh, SMU. Yeah. I'm going to go with 30, 20. Cause I don't know anything about TCU this year. So I'm just kind of like pissing in the wind. So I'm just saying 30 to 20, uh, SMU wins here. All right. Big game, Texas A&M going up against Arkansas. I believe this game is in Wally world, uh, uh, or <laughs> no, yeah, I think it's in, it's, is that what they call it? Uh, uh, Jerry world, Jerry world. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Wally world. Uh, yeah, no Jerry world. So, um, I like what this Arkansas team is doing, you know, Sam Pittman, you know, was a different pick for that head coaching position, but he's been remarkable. You know, the guy has been very solid. Uh, you know, Jefferson is done quite well with that offense. I think even better than Felipe Franks and Felipe Franks is now, uh, on a uh, NFL roster. So that tells you how good Jefferson is, is that a NFL caliber quarterback couldn't even run the offense as well as he's doing. And he's doing a remarkable job. Their running backs are good. Their defense is solid. You know, they cause a lot of turnovers. I like Arkansas in this game. You know, Texas A&M's starting quarterback is still hurt. He'll be out for a couple more weeks. Um, Their backup is not as good. You know, he did lead them to victory against Colorado the week before, but it was a last second victory, so it wasn't that impressive. And then last week they obviously played a tomato can, so it didn't really even matter what the score was there. 
I like Arkansas here. I think Arkansas is going to win it. I think Arkansas is going to win um, 33, and I'm going to say 17. So 33-17, Arkansas winning in this one. So what do you got in this one, Ian? Yeah, I kind of feel deflated now because this was kind of my original upset of the pick. Uh, but I do have Arkansas on this one. I think yeah. with AM and how the offense is still – it had a good game last week, especially with the new quarterback. Uh, and But I think because the offense isn't there, they're going to have to rely on the running game in that. And I think Arkansas will be up to the challenge to – you know, cut the legs out from that one. I think Arkansas wins this one. It's a lot closer, but I think Arkansas wins this one in a 31 to, yeah, you know what? I'll go with 29 to 24. Razorbacks. Okay. And then um, the next game I have on our list is Rutgers, Michigan. I don't think highly of uh, Michigan at all. I mean, most people know that, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Big Ten, but I like Greg Schiano as a coach for this specific team, which is Rutgers. So we will see what happens here. Um, I'm calling Rutgers in the upset, so I'm going to say it. They've, they've done decently so far. I'm going to say they're going to beat them because I just don't think highly of Michigan. I'm going to say Rutgers wins. 27 to 13. That's what I got. What do you got? Uh, this one, I still have Michigan in this one. I actually have Michigan kind of running away with it to the end based on the running attack. Um, the running game has been much more prolific uh, for Michigan. The overall offense has been a lot better for Michigan. And I think because of the offense, they get enough points on the board to win this one. I, I'm going to go with a 37 to 22 victory for Michigan. Well, the reason I think that Michigan is not as good is one, their biggest victory so far this year is against a Washington team that lost to freaking Montana 13 to seven. So like if a team that only scored seven points against Montana cannot be considered a huge victory if you beat them. So um, I don't think highly of this team. Yeah. They're right now leading the country in rushing, but they played tomato cans. So, you know, until they play legitimate teams, you know, this week is not necessarily a legitimate team, but it's someone better than Washington. Uh, you know, we'll see. I think that Rutgers can do it. So let's move on. Iowa State, the clones going up against Baylor. Um, I haven't seen too much on Baylor. What do you got in this game? Who, who, what's your uh, what's your take on this one? With this one, I know Baylor, um, the offense has uh, done a very good job of uh, being still prolific. Um, it's been more, it hasn't been, they don't have the one guy um, to break through, but I do know it's been a cohesion effort. I know the defense has actually been pretty good for Baylor. Um, they've been able to stifle most of the teams they play this year. I think Iowa State will win this one, but it's going to be a lot closer. I think Baylor's defense gives them a lot more trouble than they're used to. And I think it's actually going to be lower scored than a lot of people think. I'm going to go with the 27 to 18 victory for the Cyclones. Yeah, I got very similar. I got 28, uh, 20. I just like Iowa state. I know they lost to Iowa, but Iowa has probably one of the best defenses in the country. So that's not anything to really deter them for the rest of their season. Cause almost no one has a defense as good as Iowa. So Baylor's not going to have a good defense either. And I think Iowa State's going to be able to score enough to win. I got them 28-20. Uh, next one, um, Clemson going going up against uh, NC State. Who do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, 
This is my upset. I think Clemson's vulnerable. I'm not trying to jump on, you know, because Clemson played one bad game and jump on them. But I think NC State is a competitive enough team to hang in there and get a last second win against Clemson. NC State has always played Clemson difficult. I think this one, with how inconsistent Clemson has been, NC State gets the upper hand in this one. I have NC State winning this one 31 to 28 in, in this one. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm on the same train. I'm actually, you know, I know that NC State lost to Mississippi State, but uh, I like NC State. You know, their game against South Florida, they actually looked quite well in that game. Um, so I think like maybe the Mississippi State game was more of a aberration. It was like, you know, I don't know, just playing at Mississippi State and they just didn't perform that well. I think they can beat Clemson. They're playing it in uh, Raleigh. I think uh, NC State wins. I think NC State wins 24, and I'm going to say Clemson 17. So it's going to be close, but uh, I think uh, Clemson uh, loses there. Uh, You're taking a lot of the the fun away from me with my upset picks, man. (laughs) I'm sorry that I'm 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 viewing these as great 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 think alike. (laughs) Okay, UCLA Stanford. What do you got in this one? I think UCLA is able to bounce back in this one. I know Stanford is going to play them tough, but I think UCLA will kind of settle in and get back on this one. Might be a bit messy, and I know kind of an off score I have on this one. I think it'll be a 32-20 to win for UCLA, Um, but I I, I have the Bruins winning this one. Yeah, and I'm not far off either. I think UCLA – the offense is is humming right now. Even though they lost that game, they still were scoring – uh, they scored 37 points, so they're going to be able to put up points, and I think they're going to win 35-22 in this one. Even though I like Stanford and I've always liked David Shaw, um, I just I think UCLA has a really good year this year, and I think that continues, especially in this game. All right, Tennessee, Florida, not as big as game as it has been, you know, the last you know decade and a half. It's been quite a one-sided affair. Tennessee's only won one game in 16 years. And that was in uh, 2016, um, which the Gators still kind of dominated that first half in that game. So it's, it's only been essentially one half that Tennessee has been competitive, you know, well, actually they, there was those two last second games. It was the the heave to cleave. And then the one from the the game, the missed field goal. And then like, yeah, the runaway Callaway. Yeah. So like, I guess those two games were close, but really besides those three games, Florida's really won like every other game by like a minimum of like 10 points because they've just dominated Tennessee. And I've got Tennessee losing this one as well. I think Florida's going to win um, probably 35 and I'm going to say 17. That's what I'm going to go with the score. What do you got in this uh, one? I'm only three points off of you. Actually, I'm actually yeah. going to this game. Um, You're going nice. Yeah. Dude. Um, I didn't realize until like a day ago, but uh nice. Yeah, um, I have Florida winning this one. Um, I think based on how the offense is performing, I don't know if they change a lot from the offense uh, of just, you know, the pass plays there, take it, not tucking a run. Um, and I think the defense is going to be enough of a trouble for Tennessee. I know with uh, Tennessee, the quarterback play, and if they do start Hendon Hooker, it might get a bit scary um, in that one. But I think the Florida defense can do a good enough job of containing Hooker and forcing him out of his uh, comfort zone in that one. So I have the Gators winning this one 38 to 17. 
Yeah, that's that's very similar. Uh, yeah, you know, I uh, I think the defense will be strong enough to um, contain Hooker, and you know, because he's not that strong of a passer, you know, I think they can like, you know, uh, play press man and then um, you know load the box, especially provide if they yeah, and if they pr- pressure him as well. Yeah, yeah, and they, if they get D line pressure, then they'll be able to really go after him. Okay, uh, Kentucky, South Carolina. Who do you got in this one? Uh, for this one, uh, I actually have Kentucky uh, based on how well the offense has per- been performing. Um, I know South Carolina is, you know, they took a bad loss and they've had looked better in the past games. But I think Kentucky is just an overall more consistent team in this one. I know with the rushing and passing attack has been much better. They don't have to rely. I know in years past they could only rely on the run or they could only rely on the pass. They could never rely on both. Now they can. I mean, that one. I think the defense is going to be enough um, to stop uh, the uh, South Carolina uh, offense in this one. So I have Kentucky winning this one. I think it's going to be a bit closer, but I'll give Kentucky this one. I'll go with a 32 20 win for the Wildcats. Oh, wow. I definitely don't see them scoring that many points. I, I'm, I'm thinking more 24 17 Kentucky. Um, I just don't think South Carolina is there yet. They're going to take. A little while. I don't even know if uh, if the the young Beamer is going to be the the guy to do it, but you know we'll see. You know, it's South Carolina always has the potential to being a good program. You know, obviously Spurrier did quite well for them for quite a few years. Um, Beamer taking over has a chance. He just needs to uh, um, get the recruits there, and I think that'll be the difference maker. Right now, the talent level is just not there. And, uh, you know, Kentucky has been recruiting better, so Kentucky has been more consistent the last five, six years, so that's where they have a better advantage. So I think Kentucky's going to win this, like I said, 24-17. Okay, Nebraska, uh, Michigan State, who do you got in this one? Uh, This one, I have Michigan State. uh, Based on how well the running attack was, um, I think, it's just going to be too much for uh, them to contain, and especially with how defense is able to get pressure into the backfield. Uh, it's just going to be too much of a tough time for Nebraska. They'll do what they can, uh, but I have Michigan State winning this one. Not an overall runaway one, but I'll go with a 26 to 26 to 10 win for the Spartans. Yeah, and I have uh, Michigan State winning, too. I've got Michigan State winning 32-16. I just, you know, Martinez is just, I don't know, man. The guy just, he's such a disappointing, like, career. It's just, it's, I would have thought that when he started, he would have gotten to the point where he was leading Nebraska to, like, 10, 11 win seasons, but he's never lived up to any of the hype, and he's just been kind of, all this potential and none of the the actual reality. So I feel he's going to have a sh- another struggling game. Michigan State's defense is pretty good. So, and then, you know, they've got a capable offense, so they're going to be able to score points and they're just going to be able to um, uh, thwart the uh, Nebraska attack. Okay. Kansas State, Oklahoma State. I don't really know much about either of these teams. I just saw that Kansas State is ranked. So I want to hear your opinion on this before I give mine. Yeah, uh, with this one, you know, it's kind of your prototypical um, Big 12 game. And I know Kansas State, uh, based on their they're kind of unorthodox, they kind of do rely more on the run game than they do the pass game for a Big 12 team. Uh, but with this one, I have 
I think it's going to be a lot closer uh, with this one because Kansas State and Oklahoma State are pretty equal in terms of talent. Um, But I think uh, K-State, I will give them the win in this one uh, because Oklahoma State is still kind of reeling here. I'll go with a 33-29 to win for the Wildcats. My prediction was 33-28. So. All right. Yeah, one we're, point we're, off there. Yeah, we're one point off. So, yeah, I think Kansas State's going to get the win as well. I think Kansas State just is the better team this year. And, uh, okay, now a really big game, Big 12 game, West Virginia, Oklahoma. Who do you have in this one? And I'll save my prediction until after you say it. So I want to hear what you, what you think on this game. This one, I think, does go down to the wire. I think – uh, just based on how West Virginia has been uh, playing, especially with the rushing attack and how the passing game has worked out and how the defense can be able to throw cogs into the chain. I know Oklahoma's favored big in this one, but I think West Virginia hangs on there, but I think there's just too much talent on the other side. And I think Oklahoma finds a way to sneak out with another close win. It's not going to be a convincing win, but I think they do get the win in this one. I'll go with a 35 to 24 win pulling away late uh, Sooners. Yeah. And I have something similar. I got it uh, 37, 28. So not that far off. I just think West Virginia is going to be able to move the ball. Um, You know, Oklahoma's kind of struggled with some of these teams. You know, Tulane was able to move the ball pretty decently. And, uh, you know, I think West Virginia is going to be able to do the same. But I think Rattler is going to be able to put it together and uh, score some points. So I've got uh, Oklahoma winning 37-28. So last two games real quick. Okay, USF, BYU. I know BYU is going to slaughter them. But what do you think? Do you think USF can be at least somewhat close in this one? Or what do you think? I don't know. I, I just think BYU is just too much. USF isn't near the level uh, to compete with BYU. Um, the offense isn't there, and if, it, if anything I've seen is that the, the, the offense of BYU is able to just run away with games and come in when it like start just turn the engine on when they can. Uh, the defense is going to be having too much time, and I don't think the USF offense can respond enough to win these uh, type of you know win these type of battles. Um, I've, I've got BYU. The, BYU in this one, uh, I'll go 41-14 BYU, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not far off with you. I'm, I've got 42-20. So, um, you know, that 41-14 is, uh, you know, always a good score. That was the uh, Florida-Ohio State uh, score uh, in 2006 or 2007. So, uh, um, no, but – there's a lot to be had with this USF team. They need to just get better every week. Winning last week was huge because it, you know, it gets that in them of like, hey, we can win games. You know, we can put things together. We can be better. And, uh, you know, as long as they can put a decent uh, game plan together, they don't have to win this game because they probably won't. But as long as they're, more competitive than they were against NC State and more competitive than they were against Florida, I'll be happy. And I that's just what I want to see. I want to see progress every week. Uh, Timmy McLean um, is potentially going to be the starter. He was the starter against FAMU. He should be the starter uh, against uh, BYU. We'll see. Um, but uh, hopefully they can be competitive and then, you know, 
the rest of the year. They've got a couple winnable games. So if they can win three or four games, I will be more than happy. And then, you know, it's next year when they really need to like win like five or six games. So it's, it's just, you know, progress each game. It's, you know, you got a little things there, details, you know, uh, make sure cutting down on the penalties, you know, making sure that the, uh, you're getting pressure on the D line and making sure you, the offensive line is protecting those little things right there. If you can do those things, you know, win the line of scrimmage, you can make a difference in every game you play in. Okay. Last one, Arizona, Oregon, I'm going to say Oregon probably wins this game and I'm going to say Oregon probably wins like 35 to 17. That's what I got. What, what do you think in this one? I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Oregon runs away with this one. Yeah. Um, you know, were, Arizona was able to keep it close with, like, you know, BYU and give them a scare. Uh, but I think Oregon, especially with the rushing attack with Verdell, uh, just has too much talent. I think they run away with this one. I'll go with a 45-10 to 10 win for the Ducks. I do want to mention, though, underrated sleeper uh, hit game for this Saturday. Keep your eye out. FAU versus Air Force. No Sean Perry in uh, – Daniels of uh, Air Force. Both of these teams have similar play calling styles. And I think this is going to be a really fun game. So if anybody is able to catch this game, I think it's on like Fox Sports 2. That is a game to watch. I think that's going to be a really fun game based on how these two teams call plays and the type of talent these teams have. Who do you think is going to win that one? That one, I have the Owls winning this one uh, based on their uh, RPO attack. Um, kind of we've seen a lot more, especially with the dual threat ability of Perry and the running attack of uh Davidson, but also because of the RPO, it opens up for receivers like Wester in this one. I have the Owls winning this one. It's going to be tied going into the fourth quarter, but the Owls will win 34-24. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely a game to check out, like keep an eye on, especially if you've got like multiple TVs that you can watch it. I'm going to be at a wedding this weekend, so I'm not going to be able to watch like hardly anything, but uh, I'll Dude, keep Saturdays are for the boys. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> not not so much most of the time, especially when you have a girlfriend. But uh, all yeah. right, so that is the 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 show for the week. Uh, Ian, thank you again for coming on. Um, you can reach us at haterradio.com. You can reach us at uh, both Instagram and Twitter on uh, at hater underscore radio for both. Um, also at email, which is haterradio1 at gmail.com. Ian, what are your socials real quick before we go? Yes. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitter, all, all under G Getter G, more specifically G underscore Gator underscore G. Awesome. All right, Ian, thanks again for coming in. Uh, it was a great show. We, uh, you know, we talked about that Florida Alabama game. Alabama game was a huge game. Uh, you know, Florida has everything out in front of them. They can still win the division, get to the conference championship and get into the playoffs. So there's nothing really out of the table, off the table for them. They still have all that out in front of them. USF goes through a big game against BYU. Um, USC fired their coach, which is crazy, but hey, that's what happens when Clay Hilton sucks and UCLA struggled. So recap, it was a good week of games. We've got a bunch of uh, good games coming up. Um, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care, everyone.